Eastern Promise roundtables conducted on the train from Norwich to Cambridge didn't only throw an audio spotlight on the huge potential of the Cambridge-Norwich Tech Corridor, patent pending. No, it also brought front and centre the many collaborations between universities and institutes that are already happening. The Smart Emerging Technologies Institute, or SETI, is an excellent example. A collaboration between Cambridge University, the University of Essex and the University of East Anglia. It represents a truly unique project. A planned research and innovation initiative aiming to create the fastest collaborative research testbed in Europe. Head of the Computer Sciences School at the University of East Anglia, Professor Gerard Parr, MBE, leads on this project. And I asked him to tell me more about what I personally think is one of the most exciting projects currently being developed in our region. The, the Smart Emerging Technologies Institute, it very much sits in the levelling up agenda for the east of England, particularly on the technology side and the role of ICT in the region. So what I want to do is just go through a bit of scene setting of what is SETI, why have we come up with this uh, idea, who's involved and what the vision is. It all started in 2017 when the uh, BAS had the Science Innovation Audit for the east of England. And as a consequence of that, looking at life sciences, manufacturing, agri-tech, and obviously ICT, it became quite clear that we have opportunities to collaborate, collaborate more closely in the east of England. We've had lots of bilateral relationships between Essex and UEA, Essex and Cambridge, and vice versa, uh, and Cambridge and UEA. Uh, and indeed, I've worked with these institutions before I came here. Uh, but when I, when I arrived at UEA, I noticed that the collaboration framework wasn't as strong or at a scale that it could be. And so that set the scene for developing this idea of, of a, an institute that would pull together the research capabilities that we have, have within the respective institutions, but also engage with key industrial partners who have a research and innovation remit, looking primarily at ICT as an underpinning enabler for so many of the, the, the sectors that we take for granted today. And in fact, since 2017, 2018, we were working on the, the vision and strategy behind SETI. And of course, unfortunately, COVID hit and knocked everything for six. But we're now re-engaging with key stakeholders. And indeed, in that COVID period, I think it's fair to say that we all recognize the role of digital technologies in helping the economy and the society at large keep together to collaborate, uh, to move things more online, uh, working from home, all of the things that we now know uh, from, from remote education, online supply chain uh, activities and so forth, ICT has a key role to play. We look at the, the universities and the research parts and the wider business ecosystems that we have in the region. Of course, colleagues in Cambridge, world leading uh, uh, areas of, of research. And UEA, we have world-leading research, again, in key sectors linked to healthy ageing, energy, food and water, and indeed artificial intelligence, as it applies to a whole raft of other, other areas. And colleagues in the University of, of Essex, a UK data archive, very strong in computational intelligence, and very, very engaged with knowledge transfer partnerships under the Innovate UK programme. So that ecosystem of internationally leading research in areas relevant to the ICT agenda uh, is something to be leveraged. And then we take a look at the research parts that we have. 
from Cambridge Science Park, Innovation Martinsham, Ethel Engineering, and Norwich Research Park. Four initial uh, anchor positions, if you like, in the science and innovation ecosystem where there are spin-off companies, spin-in companies, as well as research institutes funded by uh, UK research and innovation themselves. So that's, again, looking at this ecosystem that's on our doorstep uh, was another rationale for SETI bringing together this collaboration framework and at least understanding what was possible. It's important to realize that SETI is not about next generation broadband or wireless. It's about the underpinning research that will develop into those areas. Uh, so we're not providing commercial services. That's not what we're about. Uh, we want to go up, if you like, up to technology readiness level seven. And that's where we can be involved with validation, verification, prototyping, benchmarking, and really pushing the bounds of the systems that we're developing and get some key performance data out of them to see if they're relevant, if they don't work at scale, if their energy consumption is too high, or indeed if their cyber resilience is very, very weak. These are very important areas for us. But you know, looking at how we can scale up and, and to understand how much data is being generated, what's the performance of the systems, we started looking at this and then say, okay, if we wanted to do this for Ipswich, for Norwich, citywide, what's really involved in terms of the way the network has to be designed uh, and issues to do with the amount of and volume of data that would be generated. And then we can scale it up. This is the whole issue that, that we really want to look at how we can start small and scale up through the prototyping test beds that we want to develop. So health is just a classic example. Uh, and the insights that we get from this would enable us to understand what is involved in the network design, what are the, the, the likely technology challenges that we have, what are the likely costs involved? Because you know all of these things cost money, but when we want to deploy them as part of the social care in the community, this could be an area of particular interest for county councils who have specific responsibility for, for social care in the community. County councils don't do research. They hope that the systems they deploy will work at scale and behave and be cyber robust. SETI, on the other hand, will help them get a lens on these technologies and to be able to quality assure what they're doing uh, before they're deployed uh, for real. And we think of agri-tech, you know, there's lots of technology now in farm machinery, uh, in milking parlors, production facilities, out literally in the field. So increasingly there's a huge amount of digital transformation going on in the agri-tech sector itself. And, and to the extent that to trial, to test, to gain trust in these systems. This is really, really challenging for the agribusiness community. Uh, again, they need honest broker advice. They need to understand how these systems behave. And they need to understand where the failures might come about in terms of the way the systems have been developed, what data they're acquiring, where does that data go, uh, how do I cope with all of this imaging data, and other like temperature data and so on. There's a variety of challenges here where all of this data is coming together. One of the exciting things to me is the synergy SETI has with a lot of either extant or emerging 
government policy. I mean, I did a, a, a paper on exactly where with the innovation strategy from Bayes, which I always think is should be the Department of Snooker. National data strategy, mission one, policy framework, policy paper. We want to support the development of infrastructure that makes data for research and development more available in a responsible way. I mean, hello, government, we're already here. Are you really enthused by the fact that government seems to be already looking for what SETI can offer? Yes, is, is the answer. And, and well, to a large degree, what we can see coming out of the SETI vision and plan is like a knowledge data exchange. Yeah. Because it's not just agribusiness data for agribusiness consumption. There could be data there linked from the energy sector or from the supply chain that, okay, setting aside issues of GDPR and data privacy, there's a huge opportunity for integrating data into like a knowledge exchange that other sectors could dip in and, and extrapolate and integrate and get additional value yeah. from that. And this, I mean, this is something I think has been missing for some time because everyone just holds on to their own data for obvious reasons. Yes. Uh, either because they paid for it to be collated in the first place uh, or they, they, they're, they're, there's a fear that they may lose competitive uh, position. But for us, again, to be looking forward for the next 5, 10, 20 years in the east of England, there's so much value to be had in data sharing in the right context. Yes. And the ability for that to be leveraged by others, I think is really, really important. I, I think also what, what is important is, as well as that is the really high level of stakeholders you've got, you've got involved. And that's so important. I mean, you talked about the Knowledge Gateway uh, in Essex. Actually, my next call after you is to talk about, um, you know, taking Eastern Promise to uh, that uh, institution to the to the Knowledge Gateway, um, and and see what what's going on there. And we're also going out to Cambridge fairly soon, so it's 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 really exciting that you've got those those big names. And for inst international investors, the Norwich Research Park, Cambridge, and the Knowledge Gateway, they're going to be huge, aren't they? Huge draw. Yeah, and I mean, in many ways, if you if you look back, the research triangle part in North Carolina is a classic example of something that happened before, you know, uh, North Carolina, Chapel Hill, Duke University, and so forth. When they came together to harness and leverage their research, research prowess, companies then wanted to come and set up shop. And from, from a standing start, they created a, a virtual science park with 30,000 people in it. Uh, it's actually expanded to me. It's one of the biggest research parks in the whole of the United States. And then not only that, for spin-outs, there were some indigenous companies that spun in and then international companies came and wanted to set up to be close to this ecosystem. Yep. And in many ways, you can also think about, you know, uh, cloud-based industries, data center activities. And again, there's an opportunity for us to really harness that because companies want to be co-located close to where the data assets are yes in many cases some people will say well a data center is just a barn with a couple of operators uh, and some pets there's no real employment um i would ask colleagues to look over at my friends in dublin because dublin and the whole data center agenda look at how much employment has come as a consequence of that and how many companies have come to be co-located. Yes. Uh, not just for tax reasons, but for innovation opportunities yeah. around the data that they generate. 
you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm I'm really lucky. This podcast has listeners in the states. About fifteen percent of the people, hopefully, who are listening to us now are in the USA. Some are in India. Some are in the EU. I mean, you've explained to me actually. I've always wondered because the breakdown I can get it tells me where in the US people are listening. California and North Carolina have been the hub of the the US listenership. Hello to you, by the way, if you're if you're joining us from the USA. You've kind of alluded to this already, and I don't want to make you repeat yourself, but what is your, your message to people who might be listening in those places about SETI? And- well, when you look at the, the, the partnership that we're, we're wanting to leverage, you know, colleagues in Essex, Cambridge, uh, Adasford Park, and, and obviously my own university, we have world-leading, internationally-leading research going on in these institutions. We have... The, 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 the scientists and the engineers are at the forefront of their research activities in, in related domains of machine learning, AI, 5G+. Um, I mean, you mentioned India. I mean, I, I'm just now leading a, a new project uh, funded by EPSRC, the Engineering Physical Sciences Research Council, which is the equivalent of Department of Science and Technology in India, our National Science Foundation in the U.S., uh, and it's for uh, it's the UK India Future Networks Initiative. So right. we're looking at the next generation of internet in all its guises, looking at you know 5G plus 6G. What does this as the numbers go on? What does it mean? We're just increasing the speed. Uh, we're adding more intelligence. We're adding more cyber resilience. We're adding more interoperability. But we're also reducing the energy consumption on the fly because we have to, because our networks do consume a lot of power. So as, as we look at the international side of things, we want to collaborate with folk. We're already doing that um, with, with, with uh, institutions around the world. But the SETI ecosystem could provide a very interesting uh, collaboration framework as we go forward and build upon it and then collaborate with colleagues be it in in the University of California, be it North Carolina, Duke University, be it with IIT, Indian Institute of Technology in in Delhi. Uh, We're open for business. That's the other key thing here. I mean, whilst it's a research and innovation focus to be internationally leading, but to develop things at scale, we really want to put the East of England on the map for colleagues to come and collaborate with us. And not just academics, but also companies who may, as I say, have something they want to benchmark or to validate or to verify and maybe to deploy it um, in the wild, so-called, uh, for real, yeah. in, in, in the east of England, where we have lots of key stakeholders who really want to, to get engaged with this type of activity. When I've previously spoken to um, colleagues at involved in Sizewell, Sizewell C, and they've sort of expressed mild bemusement bordering on frustration that just when you get a civil servant to understand what it is you're putting to them, the stand, the civil service cranks into gear, shifts everyone around and you're faced with doing exactly the same over again with someone else. Now I'm not, I'm absolutely not suggesting this is your experience. I'm just sort of trying to get what I want to get to uh, is what kind of conversations are you having with, particularly the, those two departments, DCMS or DC, DDCMS and Bayes about driving this forward. Because as I say, you are offering so much 
that they want. So I, I, I would imagine that I would hope, and they bet they should be beating a path to your door. Well, we we, we do brief key colleagues. I mean, uh, the the science minister I'm led to understand is aware of what we're trying to do. Friend of, George Freeman, friend of the show, I I, I hope. Um, who we've yeah. interviewed before? He was our first first interview we put out. So, yes, absolutely. And 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 so and interestingly, um, obviously George is, is 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 based in this region. But then we have the foreign secretary Liz Truss, who actually launched my project with India some months ago. Brilliant. Um, and and again, I suppose a key point is as we brief civil servants and the new Anglia Lep is is has been really, really supportive in, in yes. getting getting the word out. I suppose one of the things that it's, it's important to realise is that this part of the UK, I am led to understand, is the third largest contributor to Whitehall in terms of financing tax. Yeah. When it comes to levelling up, I'm not sure we're as level as we could be. <laughs> You're not the first person to, to suggest and, that on this and, show. And, and so what we what we're seeing is across the big sectors, you know, automotive, life science, agri-tech, energy, we are really, you know, pushing, punching above our whip, but we don't normally ask for very much. Yeah. And here we have a proposition that's not just ICT focused, it's really looking at how digital technologies going forward for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, how can they underpin and support the key sectors of importance to the east of England? Now, having said that, I think it's important to realise net zero is a challenge for the whole of the UK. Sustainable energy, the wind farms off the east of England coast are supporting the whole of the UK. Yeah. So the supply chain I mentioned with the ports and so on, with the trucks hurtling across the east of England, they're going to the north, they're going to Scotland, they're going everywhere. So in many ways, if we can facilitate mechanisms to help key sectors of importance to this region, by default, we're ha- helping the rest of the UK. Absolutely. So it's not a, it's not a, I'm trying to make sure people don't see this, oh, this is just an east of England challenge. It's never, I It's mean, something that we see for the whole of the UK. When I encountered this project at an earlier stage was that, you know, it was never kind of, this is just for the East of England, you people keep away. It's like, let us tell you. Let us tell you how it's done. Let us come and help you and do something similar, wherever you are, UK, Europe, worldwide. And and I think that's yeah. all, 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 all power to your elbow in that one. Well, this is it. And I mean, w- 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 the colleagues that I have assembled around me are all very well versed and experienced in international collaborations. And um, it's a case of maybe bringing it back home. Oh, yeah. What of a better word? Because we're working with folk all over the world. And as I said at the, in my opening comments, when I first came here, it just struck me that, wow, we're doing all these collaborations internationally. And it was just fantastic. But surely to goodness, there's an opportunity to put a, a, a larger scale collaboration framework around the three main academic institutions in the region that are dual intensive. You know, we, we pride ourselves that we're leading on research and innovation, also providing excellent teaching. But we want to give opportunities for our graduates to uh, stay in the region yes. as opposed to just, you know, we give them the skills that can go anywhere in the world. That, that's, that's, that's a given. But we want to give them opportunities to say, hey, I, there's, a, there's a startup or there's some other research and innovation activity going on here. I want to be part of that. So there's definitely an international agenda for what we're doing. 
the plan of work that we're looking at is going to be underpinned by leading international uh, research because we want to be competitive. Yeah. You know, and we certainly want to go beyond journal publications and conference papers and so on. We really want to have as much impact as we can in the region. Uh, of course, this needs money. I mean, we will be going cap in hand to the government and back to your question there about civil servants and the move. Um, there is a, a timeliness to this, and we would hope that during this year we would be in, before this year is out, we would be in a position to bring forward our idea as something that's shovel-ready and, and then hope that government will uh, respond accordingly. In terms of local policymakers, um, is there more to do and how can we, is more to do to engage with them and how can we do that? Well, I suppose, obviously, with the LEP engagement, we, we, we are talking to key stakeholders in, in, in local government. Uh, obviously, you know, to have conversations with colleagues in NHS, to have conversations with colleagues in county councils who, you know, invariably are being asked to do a lot more themselves. They have a huge a list of uh, digital on, 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 on their, their entry. Uh, and again, whilst they may not be so involved in research and innovation, they certainly may want to be interested in validation and verification before systems are deployed. To get that honest broker type mm. view or like a quality assurance badge because invariably companies will want to just sell county councils all sorts of technology uh and it's only after they've been deployed that we realize that, you know things appear yeah whether it's the fact that it's a cyber risk or or the fact that the systems the operating systems are are, are a bit flaky and that they, the systems are not reliable um, when you have systems that are being deployed and they're citizen facing, you can't afford any mistakes. No. So again, you know, we're, we're, we're having conversations with stakeholders in the key sectors that I've mentioned, just to make sure we can capture their requirements. Uh, cause they all have, they're all under pressure in different ways on digital transformation is a key challenge for a lot of them. Uh, and to the extent that there's issues of standardization, issues of cybersecurity, issues of cost, as well as uh, power, sustainability and power, power yeah. consumption. The, these are very important challenges that these other organizations really want help with. So part of our mission statement, if you like, is to make sure that we're, we're addressing as much as possible those particular requirements from those sectors uh, and to give at least some insight, independent insight into some of these uh, activities. So what's the next step? You talked about how you sort of picking up after the pandemic and, and re-engaging with, with various stakeholders. What's next? Well, we're pulling together, as I say, an update to the, the plan of work. Uh, I mentioned that we're, you know, yes, we're engaging with the stakeholders just to, to reset what their priorities are to see to what extent on the research and innovation aspect uh, we need to update our, our plan. We then obviously are looking at the international global challenges linked to next generation networks, linked to 6G, linked to the role of artificial intelligence to manage these systems, linking to new applications that can be assisting in key thematic areas, as well as all of the, the, the data ontologies, the data management side of things. And for us, we're looking at where there are where what are the big research questions that we need to answer. 
a lot of this you could wrap around and say digital transformation for supply chain, agri-tech, health. What does it mean for those particular themes? Who needs to be involved? Where are the standards? Who has oversight? Who, who can say that this system is trustworthy and robust and will always provide accurate data 24-7 for a health professional? That's a huge statement to make when something could fail somewhere along the lines. So we're looking at the, the international landscape. We're looking at the UK priorities coming from government in terms of research and innovation. And it's not just the sectors that I've alluded to. You think of the space technology sector. Yeah. There is an opportunity for, for Norfolk and Suffolk and the East to come together to sort of, you know, look at where we have innovative companies and research that can support the, the space sector in the east of England. There's lots of good work going on in Southwest, Scotland and Wales and so on. Again, the east of England, uh, we really haven't shone too much of a light on the fantastic companies that are in this region yeah. doing internationally leading work Absolutely. for big, major, major uh, stakeholders in the space tech sector. But there again, imaging, data, communications, there are thematic areas there even from space and challenges that they have to deal with that sit nicely within the SETI framework. So we'll be engaging with, with that sector as well. That's fantastic. And I, I suppose my final question to you uh, really is, how can we help? How can we help you get this going? How can we help you bang the drum for the East of England? Well, I suppose, as I mentioned, you know, there will be a pound symbol for all of this and there will be an ask of government. It's really to get it on the radar of government officials who from time to time may want to understand, is there something cooking in a particular region that we should be hooking into? Uh, is there a, a shovel-ready proposition that yeah. can sustain jobs, help the local economy, and, get, and, and also supporting key thematic areas that are of importance to the UK? Uh, Whoever is in charge of the checkbook, I should say, is someone we would like to be able to engage with when we're when our, when our proposition is is completely ready, so I really look forward to people engaging with me. If they can bring something to the table, fantastic. But we really want to understand uh, others that are out there that may want to partner with us or to be engaged with us going forward, or just to be kept in touch uh, as we as we bring forward this this development for the region. When do you expect that proposition to be ready to present to government? The timeline we're working to when we wrap up all of the stakeholder engagement, reflect on the programme of work, we would hope by we're now into May. Yep. Uh, I would say by the end of the summer in, in that region, um, we would hope to be in a position to say, look, here's something we'd like to take forward, or at least have it on the radar yeah. for those that are of interest uh, to look at place-based innovation and research and again what does the leveling up agenda mean for the east of england whoever's in charge of that strategy yeah or the government uh we'd really love if they would come and talk to us we have certain unique assets in this region mm. and we have certain unique sectors in this region we, as i said we look at food security agribusiness we look at at, at, at energy uh, you look at the supply chain. Those are activities and assets that this region is famous for. Yeah. But it's not just all consumed in the east of England. We're doing it for the whole of the UK. 
So if we can benefit these sectors in, in, in looking at their research and innovation needs, their next generation of digital transformation, anything we can do to help them be better prepared or to take the next steps in innovating in their own sector, it helps them for sure. It will help the East for sure. But ultimately, the rest of the UK will benefit. Professor Gerard Parr, to whom I am very grateful for explaining the potential and reach of SETI. If you want to know more, please head over to the University of East Anglia website, uea.ac.uk.